Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Thanks for stopping by and for coming back to Sirius XM 141 HUR Voices for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Well, are you ready for the AfroZones Dubai sound off? That's right. The African diaspora is heading to Dubai March 3rd through the 9th with AfroZones. My special guest today is HUR Voices' own Sheila O, host of AfroZones, and How Far Was Sheila O, the only nationally syndicated Afrobeats show in the United States and Africa. Sheila's sharing with us her love and passion for Africa, the African diaspora, how she welcomed a list of A-list celebrities to various African countries, and the AfroZone's Dubai Sound Off is taking Dubai by storm. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report heads to India and the Diwali Festival. But right now, we're going to get into a little travel news. Joining me for some news chat is Gene Harley, our executive producer. Hello, Gene. Hi, Javon. Right now, we're all talking about travel and how travel is really coming back to pre-pandemic levels. And that includes the holidays because we didn't travel for the holidays so much last year. Not many Americans did, but now that's happening. And the airlines are preparing for the holiday travel crunch, not just for Thanksgiving, but for Christmas and all the December holidays as well. Yeah, that's true. Flights are back, actually higher than last year and almost on par or higher than 2019. United Airlines released estimates that will fly more than 4.5 million passengers between November 19th and the 30th of this year. Transportation Security Agency, TSA, reported 2.15 million passengers already passed through airport security on Sunday, November 14th. And on that same day in 2019, the number was only 2.39. So that's back on par. There's a lot of people out there flying and it's going to get even more crowded in the airways as we get to Christmas and New Year's. My concern, though, is are the airlines still dealing with staff shortage? Because you can put the planes back, you can add more flights to the routes, and the travelers are back, but we need the crew, we need the airline staff, and uh, I just hope that the holidays go off smoothly because a lot of people have a lot of hope, self-included. I mean, we're excited about going home for the holidays because we didn't last year. Yeah, and that's true. So it really is complicated because the airlines are looking at staff shortages already and they're giving incentives, more times off and actually bonuses and in payment for those staff members to work extra hours during the holidays. But that doesn't carry through to things like pilots. They can only work but so many hours in a day and fly but so many routes. And also the equipment out there. A lot of it has been stored back, as you know, planes were stored back in 2020. And many of them are just coming back out. So you have a reduction in the number of crew out there. All the airlines are hiring. When is the last time you've seen so many things out here for airlines trying to hire people? And it's not just the crew flying the plane. 
it's the people working at the counters, it's the people doing check-in, it's the luggage handlers, baggage handlers, TSA, everything. It certainly is. And remember last week with Morel Howard, a fellow travel professional, gave you some wonderful holiday travel tips. And I think you're going to really need them this time around. You're going to need your patience. Yes, that's number one. Presence Pack your and patience. patience. <laughs> and, you know, with Thanksgiving coming up, only 32% of Americans are going to drive this Thanksgiving because gas prices near the most expensive ever. We really have had so many years with very low gas prices. Well, last year was a record, but production was down dramatically around the world and especially in the United States. And it has not ramped back up yet to that pre-pandemic level. So what you're looking at is gas prices on the average around $3.35. And that's a seven-year high. Actually, the highest time on record was 2012, where it was $3.44 per gallon. That on top of the fact that a lot of people, if they moved around in 2020, they did it by car and not by plane. And a lot of people, as we already stated, will be flying this year. So you're going to see a reduction, as you stated, a large reduction of the people on the road. Now, as I say that, I say, yeah, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But if you are hitting the road, one thing you should do is get the app Gas Buddy. Because <laughs> Gas Buddy can really help you out with gas prices, especially if you're on the road and you need to fill up. Not only is it going to tell you where the nearest gas station is, but it's going to give you the best prices as well. And it's pretty much real time and it can save you a ton of money if you're on the road. And it can be a whole lot more convenient if you're using the app while you're on the road. Not just finding where there is gasoline, but what the prices are from place to place. But it is interesting. We travel this year. COVID is not the big thing that it was last year. And earlier this year, 75% of Americans said that COVID-19 will have no impact on their travel this year, where last year it was 46%. So basically, a lot more people are willing to travel in this time because they've been vaccinated. The people they're visiting have been vaccinated and many have had boosters. So there's going to be a lot of travel out there, but a lot of it will probably be by air but get Gas Buddy anyway. <laughs> yeah, and another thing with Gas Buddy is because it's an app, you can pay through the app and they have some discounts and some cents off per gallon that you can take advantage of as well. So it'll save you money, not just knowing where the lowest prices are, but the app itself will provide you with some discounts. There you go. And talking about the resurgence of travel, they're predicting that 2022 will be even busier than pre-pandemic times. And this is according to a new report that has come out with the World Travel and Tourism Council. And they shared this with the travel magazine Travel and Leisure. One thing we have to understand is that part of 2022 travel are rescheduled trips. We're still dealing with rescheduled trips because those who all thought that they could reschedule them for 2021 had to then roll them over again for 2022. So understanding that the travel industry itself is dealing with a lot of non-revenue, just voucher travelers. And so not only will you find that it may be hard to find availability, prices may be up as well, but back to pre-pandemic levels in 2022. That's right. This year alone, the United States travel sector, and that's mainly domestic, 
saw a bump of 35.6% compared to 2020. Now, keep in mind, there wasn't a lot of travel going on, but that means people are back on the road, back in airplanes, and they're going out and traveling. We're looking at a bump of an additional 28.4%, according to the report coming out in 2022. And even more now, since November 8th saw the opening of the United States to allow visitors in from around the world. And that's going to cause a big bump for the fourth quarter, going in through all of next year. Yes. And in some cases, almost 228% growth. That's a huge number for international spending by travelers in the United States in 2022. So yeah, buckle up, folks. That's right. Get ready for it. Now you came across this map. I think we've talked about this before, the distortion of the map when it comes to the size of countries, or at least how they appear on the map and they're disproportionate. Some countries that are very small look very large. Some continents that are large look small. And so we have then this distorted view of the world, Mm -hmm. of of countries, of landmass and so forth. But you came across something that's going to change that. Actually, one of the top inventions, and this is from the Time Magazine list of top inventions for this year, is looking at the cartographer and looking at the map design. And finally, they're coming up with a map which more correctly shows the continents. And this is all because it's virtually impossible to take a round object and show it as a flat one base and not be distorted. But there's all kinds of other reasons in there. Back in 1569, a Flemish cartographer laid out the design that has been used all the way until 2018 of what a flat map looks like. And it greatly distorts the northern hemisphere and shrinks down the southern hemisphere and makes oceans, in this case, the Pacific, look enormous compared to what it really looks like on a round globe. So the new map will look like a couple of vinyl records and you can hold it up and it may not be perfect, for your view, but it allows you to get a better perspective of what the earth looks like and brings the Southern Hemisphere, especially Africa, into true perspective. And hopefully Greenland. (laughs) Greenland bothers me because Greenland looks massive on the map. And it's not. It's like a fraction of the size that it appears to be on the map. And all this is done because they're trying to show the northern hemisphere where the route and ships had to travel. So people say, well, why isn't it the same thing on the southern hemisphere? No one was going to Antarctica. So it was not a big issue. The northern hemisphere was there. And as Javon stated, Greenland looks like it's the size of half of Africa. It's just (laughs) distorted. And Iceland, which is just smaller than Hawaii, looks like it's enormous. So the northern hemisphere, it was done to make mapping and charting available. But luckily, most people who travel by see don't use those large world maps they use smaller ones or you would be lost if you tried to get around and believe that Africa was as small as it is on those maps yeah I think in the biggest disturbing part is that it has gone unchanged and unchallenged for so long for 350 years (laughs) accepted as the normal including Google Maps until 2018 Well, Gene, you just recently returned from Las Vegas. And what's exciting about this is that it was the first travel trade conference either of us had attended since the pandemic. And yeah, really because, interesting. Yeah, because they were all, of course, canceled, as many conferences were, not just travel trade conferences, but conferences around the globe. And a lot of them still haven't come back. And of course, there were virtual ones that we did, but in person 
in Las Vegas at the IMAX. And a couple of weeks ago, I had the director for IMAX on kind of explaining to us what it is. And that was the event that you attended. So how was it attending the conference for the first time since 2020? It was very interesting because I call it Las Vegas because Las Vegas truly is back when you look around. There were thousands of people up and down the strip at every hotel. I was at the Caesars. It was very crowded. The casinos were very crowded. There were mass signs up, but not everybody was taking that in consideration. And even at the convention hall, they had us do a QR code before we come in talking that we were vaccinated and or tested and it was open up. So it was really a very nice conference. Well attended although not every country was there. Now, this is IMAX America. So as Javon stated, this is one of the massive conventions that includes almost every country, every sector related to travel. And it was very well attended by a lot of places, but a number of countries were not there yet. And I think a part of the factor was that the United States wasn't open to not all countries until November 8th. And this event started November 9th. Was there an emphasis on COVID protocols or just the emphasis on returning to travel? There was some discussion about COVID protocols and countries talking about the safety factors that they had taken in effect. But a lot of the people were talking about a future that they saw as being open and not so much worrying about it. But there was always that emphasis on the cleaning and the things they're doing to make sure that they have a safe environment at all their products, the airline, the hotels, the resorts, even the leisure activities, even restaurants. We're talking about what they're doing now to make sure it's safe. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. Gene, thank you so much for joining me today for some travel news chat. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and Sheila O, host of AfroZones and the AfroZones Dubai Sound Off. You don't want to miss that. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and connect with me on social media. And don't you dare forget to join the Travel Club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. When you need or want to meet up with locals at a destination, use some of the websites, blogs, social media, and apps to connect. We're in a sharing society today, and it's a whole lot easier than it's ever been before. If you're looking for like-minded people who share your interests or hobbies, there are so many sites you can connect to to make it a whole lot easier. You may be looking for clubs or to connect with a similar club you belong to at home, or maybe you just want to meet locals. The sharing culture has certainly changed our economy and the way we travel especially for Gen X's and millennials. Some ways in which you can connect are Facebook groups. Meetup.com is a great site for meeting people. You can join Couchsurfing. Couchsurfing is a great site for connecting with locals who live where you're going. 
You can also attend a language exchange class or some meetup groups for the language of the destination that you're traveling to. And they could probably put you in connection with locals at that destination. There's so many ways you can accomplish it. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. You know, I'm so excited to chat with my guest today, Sheila O. She's the host of AfroZones and How Far with Sheila O, the only nationally syndicated Afrobeats show in the United States and Africa. Well, hello, Sheila, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you so much for having me, Javon. Thank you, sweetie. Really I, glad to be here. Big fan of yours, babe. Big, uh, big thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, we met earlier this year. And I discovered all of the wonderful things that you're doing, especially to build bridges for the African diaspora. What inspired you to connect the African diaspora? Oh, when I first moved to Chicago, I kind of realized, you know, that there is a disconnect between Africans and African-Americans. I saw that and I was like, how? Being British and being raised in London, where we're all equals and we do things together, we're all on the same side, got me very complex. Like, what's going on here? Why are African-Americans and Africans not really, you know, working together more in unity and doing things together? So that was why the ethos of my Afrobeat show was to continue trying to build the bridge with African-Americans and Africans because there's more that connects us than disconnects us. So I felt that using the Afrobeat music, which is the sound from the motherland, could be a great start to it. The music always moves you, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) It's one that needs no translation. I think there's so much connection in in music wherever you go. Now, you said you are from England. Were you born and raised there? No, no, no. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. I graduated in the United Kingdom. I went to school there, went to high school there, which we call secondary school in England. And I went to university, University of Westminster as well in England. I did spend some part of my secondary school days in Nigeria, but then I finally finished in the UK. So I spent a good time, you know, growing up in England. So that's why I spent most of my formative years. Then I got married and then my husband happened to be born here, in, born in D.C., but lives in Chicago. So uh, because my business can be moved, I decided, you know what, it's about time I try the U.S. of A's. And I said, OK, I'll come to America and live. You know, I was first trying to get him to come to the U.K. And he was like, they don't pay your doctors good enough. And, you know, so I was like, okay. So that's how I moved to Chicago from England. And I'm proud to say, Javon, that I have been raised in three different continents and very exposed to the world at my age. I think that's phenomenal because I think travel in itself and being exposed to different cultures makes you just such, I'm going to use the word better uh, per person, well. but, but yes. certainly, yeah, more open-minded, more respectful because you get to see different cultures and it's not so much of what's right, what's wrong. It's just a different culture and respecting people. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Now, I have to say, no wonder I like your husband. You said that he was born in Washington, D.C. and moved to Chicago. Same for me here and my husband, Gene. We were both born and raised in D.C. and later in life moved to Chicago. So That was the connection I see because you guys hit it up from day one. So, yes. 
Now, are you just looking to bridge the diaspora between the African continent and the United States? Or are you talking about all of the Americas, including South America and the Caribbean? I mean, really all of the America, because I believe first and foremost, right, that, you know, first of all, we all humans, we all serve God. You know, so somehow, somehow in the biblical days, we are related. So I'm not really here to segregate. It's just that my core interest was with African-Americans and Africans. But however, Africa has so much to offer that I'm actually here to bridge the gap with the whole world. I just want to introduce Africa and what Africa stands for. You know, I'm just trying to also erase that stereotype that whenever you talk about Africa, you go back to slave trade. Okay, enough already. It's done. It's happened. We've moved on and we're very successful. You know, we are in different parts of the world. Africans that left America that came to the USA became great. I was watching my child last year, Black History Month, and she's educating me. This is my six-year-old telling me about it was a Black person that actually created the stop signs and the traffic lights and all that. Things I did not know. So it's really about bridging the gap with the whole world and just showing the beauty of Africa, its music, its people, and everything Africa's got to give. Trying to make sure that more people connect to Africa, come back home to Africa. Look at Africa as, I mean, it's a third world country, but try and look at it as a first world because it was life really, they say, kind of started from Africa, you know, so... Yeah, that's well, my message. Well, when you look at the African continent, and we'll get back on topic, but when we look at the African continent, we know that it's the wealthiest continent in terms of natural resources in the world. So you're really just talking about an economy versus you know the wealth of a nation or the wealth of a continent. So I think that's the difference, and I think that's where we have to really look at those differences and tap, um, into, and yeah. tap into it. There's so much out there for us to tap into, you know, and like my generation, right, because of the stereotype of how Africa is perceived with just charity. And every time you see Africa on CNN, you see a black kid that looks like me with a big belly and flies all over her head. And we're asking for charity. And that's not just the case. You know, Africa, we ball too. I have friends that have Maseratis, Bulgaris, we have everything. And I just feel like my generation who are more open-minded, they need to just know that it's a place you can come and vacay. It's a place you can come and invest in is a place that you're from and i just want to erase that stereotype just to show people how cool it is to be african super cool because i'm cool right javon absolutely you are <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about afro zones what does that embody Afro Zones is the very first Afro Beach show in the U.S. First of all, it was created by me, my humble self. My background, like I said, I was raised in three continents, born in Lagos, raised in London, and now I reside in Chicago. I'm also a booking agent. I've been a booking agent since I was a teenager, and that was in 2001. I, I did my first deal. I was just 17 at that time. And I remember working with Heineken Africa and my first show was with Shaggy. I wanted to bring more artists to Africa at that point because I realized a lot of concerts were happening in England, but uh, artists were not going back to Africa. So I did a deal with Heineken Africa called Star Beer, and I was able to start booking concerts. And till date, I have been blessed to have worked with likes of Jay-Z, Beyonce, Rihanna, Cardi B recently, Megan Thee Stallion just recently, 2019, before COVID hit. Me 
Migos, Bruno Mars. I've just worked with the greatest of the greats, Kendrick Lamar. I have been able with my agency to book them on tours in Africa. So obviously knowing how, how much I love the music and seeing how they come over there and the educators and what a technical writer is, what a proper stadium show should look like. It kind of made sense for me now to do the opposite. Now bring Africa's music into the U.S. and I was lucky to partner with Power 92.3 Chicago in 2017. They thought I was crazy when I came up with this idea, like, hey, we can play Afrobeats. But luckily, they opened up their minds, called their DJs into a forum with me, and their DJs confirmed that every single club in the U.S. now is playing Afrobeats every now and then, and the relationship with Afrobeats and Afro House. So Power and being daredevils that they are, breaking Chance the Rapper, breaking Kanye, took a chance with me to come to the show in 2017. Four years now, Javon. The show is now nationally syndicated on WHUR. You know, I think we're sisters there working there on the same platform. The show is in Houston, LA. The show is now syndicated in more markets than Chicago. And Afrobeats is growing. Recently, the Grammys just made me a Grammy recording member for class of 2021, solely because of my push of Afrobeats. Recently, again, the number one song in the U.S. on Urban Charts Radio, Javon, is an Afrobeats song. That's Wizkid and Thames featuring Justin Bieber. Justin just had a remix version, but the song itself through RCA's number one song in the U.S. So we've come a long way being the only nationally syndicated Afrobeats show in the U.S., and that's that's really the story of Afrozones. And we've been growing from strength to strength ever since, pushing the culture and promoting Afrobeat music and merging it with hip hop and other genres of music as well. That is phenomenal. And, you know, there's something else that a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the current dances today have their origins from the African continent. I was doing this program with a youth group because I know that I've traveled, I won't say extensively, but I've traveled quite a bit to to Africa. And so I was presenting to these young children and I wanted to connect them with the African continent. And so I wanted to talk about things that I knew that they could identify with, one, which is self phones and the major component of cell phones, the natural mineral comes from the Congo. So we have cell phones and we're able to have these portable devices because of a mineral that comes from the Congo. But we also talked about the dances that they all, especially we see on TikTok and so (laughs) forth. (laughs) A lot of them really originate in Africa. And then as we do, we make things our own, but we have to look at the origins of it. So when you say that we're connecting with the music, Music as well. It's phenomenal to say. And I think it's something that we really need to recognize and embrace. That's so true. Even the dance, the twerking dance. I told Megan the Stallion, I says, you know, I know America says you go bionic knees and you can twerk for days. When she came out to Nigeria with me in December 2019, she gave up. The girls surrounded her and they twerked. She had to get off her knees, you know, and she was like, yes, I'm home. This is home. (laughs) I'm like, yes, you know, that's what the girls are raised to do with the beads around their waist. That's what they do all day, every day. Twerk and just enjoy good music. You know what I mean? Not in a bad way, Javon, just in a very sensual, mother-like way, you know, just in a very beautiful way, sexy. 
Well, you know, when the music moves you, you just have to let your body surrender to the music. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So tell me then about how far with Sheila, how is that connected to AfroZones or is it? Yes, it is. AfroZones, of course, started here in Chicago on Ponics 2.3. How far was born only last year, 2020, actually, it was born. And that was because of COVID. We found ourselves in a situation whereby the station said we couldn't come in anymore because of COVID. You know, we all go scared. We didn't know what the hell was going on. We didn't know how to tackle this COVID virus, this virus that was going around and taking lives of our loved ones. So, of course, everybody had to stay at home. There was a rule. So while we were home, I didn't know what to do with myself. I still had to record my voice and send my voice to the studio, to Kaz, and he puts it on and everything else. But I wanted to do more. I missed the one-on-one interviews. I missed the award shows. I missed everything. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come up with my own TV show. I'm going to do it on YouTube. Since I have a very extensive database, I really do, thanks to my booking days and my booking world, most of these artists that I've traveled with are friends of mine. Because when you experience something with someone for the first time, you become friends. You know, you're no longer a fan, but you're a friend. So I looked at my very extensive database and I started making calls and asking, hey, do you want to jump on Zoom with me? Let's do a quick interview. I want to know how far is a slang that means what's up? Jamaicans would say Walgwan. Americans would say what up? And Africans would say how far? So basically it was how far? What's going on? How are you doing? How are you making money? How's COVID treating you? You good? You know, what's your advice for other people? And that was how I started. And luckily, because I had very good guests, you know, very interesting guests. I had the guys from Forbes magazine and I had all kinds of A-list, Sean Paul, A-list celebrities come on to do this with me. A TV network in Africa, which is similar to Comcast here, where is it Xfinity here, picked Mm -hmm. up my show. They call Hip TV. They broadcast in over 44 African countries. They saw it on YouTube. They thought it was great. They reached out to me and we inked a deal. And now that's how how far really left, you know, I mean, still on YouTube, but actually graduated from YouTube to people's homes in over 44 countries in Africa. And now the UK has just picked it up as well. So that's how how far started. It's really just the visual side of my interviewing skills. So the celebrities that you mentioned, that's quite a list. Uh, And you've shown them Africa. Of course, you've brought them there musically. But how were some of those experiences with the celebrities in the different African nations that you've taken them to? It's better now. At first, I'll be honest with you, it's been bittersweet. I've worked with two types of talent some that are really educated, more exposed, and they appreciate the fact that they're coming back onto the motherland, while there's some that just get so irritable and they don't understand why there's no electricity. They want to go back home so quickly because they're over-pampered and they don't realize they're back home in the motherland. So my experiences has been very diverse, you know, but what I do, I do the same thing. I try to educate them. I try to get them to do some tours, not just the concerts. I try to see how we can connect the dots and make them feel at home. But there's some that are just maybe very small minded and they're like, no, 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 I can't deal with this. It's not what I'm used to. You know, they're not as exposed. But I think that was in the early stages. But now with the growth of Afrobeat music, people now thinking Africa is cool again because they're beginning to understand that it was just a certain 
media, type of media that was just projecting that poverty of Africa. And when they started seeing the beauty of Africa and realizing that, oh, wow, it's not the United States where you have electricity 24-7. However, it's still the same happy people. They have the same clubs. They have the same churches. They have the same schools. Africans are so highly educated, very smart. So when people started seeing that, people became more open. Now people are actually going to do the ancestry. People want to know which part of Africa they're from. That wasn't the case when I first started. But I guess I thank God I was really young and had thick skin. So Javon, whatever they said to me, bounced off like, mm, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I was making good money as well. 10% of artists feet. So, okay. yeah. so I was looking at it from that perspective. But as I grew and they grew, the love for Africa grew, the music grew. It's been a different experience now where artists are more embracing. Jay-Z kissed the floor. And I'm like, Jay, you're going to get germs, man. But he came <laughs> off with G5. Honestly, hand on my heart. It's radio, right? I can't take it back. Came off a G5. I was with him there for seven days. He was just dating Beyonce at that time. They were not married. And she came on that tour with him came off the plane in Kenya and he did that because he was like, wow, I came from here, you know? So it's grown now. People want to connect more. And I'm so glad. Yeah, and I'm so glad we're in the forefront as well of this I, movement. Another thing that happened as well with me on one of my tours, he was with Boys to Men. This was 2019 as well. And I remember one of the wives of the boys, that was her first time in Africa. And she was blown away by the technicians who worked on the tour. You know, things she was like, in America, it's all white faces that do jobs like this. It's a breath of fresh air to see all Blacks and people of my color. She got so emotional. She started crying. I want to talk about your current venture, which is taking AfroZones to Dubai in yes. March. So tell us about your fabulous program coming up in Dubai. First of all, I want to thank you for being a part of it, Javon. This trip was a partnership with AfroZones and the Dubai Tourism Board. I was privileged to interview Thela Fubara, who is one of the directors of the Tourism Board. She reached out to my show because she was trying to use my platform to promote trips to Dubai to Blacks in diaspora. And because they realized through their demographics, they're very good with analytics in Dubai, that a lot of people that do visit Dubai are very affluent and rich. And they realized a lot of African-Americans, which is Africans as well, you know, were mostly going to the Caribbean, Cancun, Mexico, things that was easy. And they were like, you know, we're, we are man-made and we are first world as well. Why aren't they coming out here? So I said to her, like, look, if you partner with us and you can make these trips affordable, introduce us to A-list travel agents and give them a good deal, we can actually get more Blacks in diaspora to come out to Dubai and not just the affluent rich ones. Afrobeat has a very young demographic, Africans are young, you know, so they really can't afford big budgets like that, but they also want to experience the luxury. So they've partnered with us, thank God, you know, got A-list travel agents like yourselves, you know, Advantage International to come on board. And we were able to work with the local DMCs on ground who are just the local companies on ground and get good deals. And those deals were now transferred from us to the people. We've made it luxurious, but yet affordable, really affordable. And the heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> and a big, big party as well. You know, we've seen the Afro beats. We have this big party on the beach. You're going to be at the expo. We've just put so much together in six days. And again, at a very affordable price. 
all people have to go to is the website, which is AfroZones, AfroZones, DXB.com. DXB is the name of the Dubai airport. It's the fusion of AfroZones and Dubai. AfroZonesDXB.com. So go check out all those great packages and come to Dubai. Yeah. The price. And the official name is Afro Zones Dubai Sound Off. Yes. So if the title is any suggestion, you know, we're you sounding off. Hard. We're going to yes. party hard. <laughs> Dubai don't know what's coming. <laughs> they don't know. They're going to try and get us to behave. You know, they don't know what's coming because we're just going to go there and have a great time. We're going to party. I'm hoping people decide to come out. We've all been choked up with COVID. Don't know where to go, left or right, what to do. Most people now are vaccinated. Just come out there, have a great time. I'll be out there with a lot of my celebrity DJ friends who are also household names, likes of Big Tigger, who does the breakfast show in Atlanta, who's from uh, 106 on Park, likes of Lonnie Love, from The Real Cafe Mocha, you know, Hollywood, baby. There's just so many, you know, household radio names that are coming out with us and you get to party with them on the desert. And every day there's an activity. All six days, there is something to do. So the dates again are March the 3rd, to the ninth, so March the third to the ninth. But the packages are out there right now on sale, and all people have to do is take advantage of this because they're gonna think I didn't do my job right. I need my people to step up and take advantage of this, especially younger people who want to travel, who want to be exposed, who want to see the world, experience more culture. Take advantage of this trip. That's affordable luxury. Go to Afro Z O N S dxb.com and pick a package of your choice. Our very own, and when I say our very own here at Cafe Mocha on HUR Voices, Lonnie Love is going to be there. You also know her from The Real on television, but also some other DJs, not just here from the United States, but you have what, six different African nations that are going to join you as well? Seven actually. So it's Nigeria, Zambia, Kenya, Tanzania, Ghana, Angola, Uganda. So the seven African countries in partnership with the United Kingdom and the US of A's. So really it's like three continents coming together, the United Arab, the US, and of course Africa coming together to just have this big, big, big party in Dubai. And I don't know when next Dubai is gonna step into any deal again to say, hey, come to my house. Dubai Tourism, as you mentioned, they're taking care of sponsoring and hosting the Desert Safari, which is a fabulous event and a must do for anybody who goes to Dubai because it's such a unique experience to Dubai. It's riding the sand dunes in four by four vehicles. I mean, and nice four by four vehicles. So don't think that anything is going to be second rate when you go to Dubai. And then finishing up as the sun sets in a camp where we have dinner under the stars on the desert and entertainment. And of course, because it's part of AfroZone's DXB, it means that we're going to have enhancements like extra celebrities there, some extra parties, some extra bells and whistles that you wouldn't normally get at a regular desert safari. So that's one fabulous event that I know. And then one of the other ones is taking us to the World Expo or Expo 2020. You know, the World Expo happens every five 
years. And this year, Dubai is hosting it. And just like the Olympics, a country will bid on the World Expo. So Dubai got it actually for 2020, but we all know what happened in 2020. We don't need to go there again. So we're doing it in 2021 over to 2022. The Expo is already underway. It started in October, but it's going to go through the end of March. So we're going to be there that last month. We're going to be there in March at the Dubai Expo, and they're doing some special things for the day that AfroZone's travelers are going to be invited to the Dubai Expo. That sounds like such an exciting event. So once again, how do we sign up? Visit AfroZonsDXB.com. That's the website. You're going to see everything myself and Javon just talked about. The travel agents are there. The celebrities are there. Frequently asked questions, you know, are there. Information on COVID, you know, is there. So anything that concerns you, it's all on that website. And again, it's Afro, A-F-R-O, Z-O-N-S-D-X-B.com. That's the site to go to for everything to do with AfroZones Dubai Sound Off. I am so excited about this. Uh, yes, very, very excited. So again, AfroZonesDXB.com so that you can be a part of AfroZones Dubai Sound Off. Now think about it the African diaspora going to Dubai for one of the largest world events ever in the Dubai Expo as well. So again, AfroZonesDXB.com. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today. What a pleasure talking to you. Always a pleasure. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. Big kisses, Javon. Okay. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) And we've got some special packages for you for the Afro Zones Dubai Sound Off. You can go to Advantage Group travel.com. We have a special website for our special packages to be part of the AfroZones Dubai sound off. Again, that's advantagegrouptravel.com. Come on and hang out with the African diaspora in Dubai, March 3rd through the 9th. When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join the travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And today we're talking about a cultural festival in India called Diwali. And joining me today to tell us all about it is Ms. Parul Sinha, director for Sacred Dot Tours. Well, hello, Parul, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hi, Javon. It's lovely to be here. Yes, it's always lovely to hear your voice. I love your accent. (laughs) 
thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so you all have just completed Diwali. And so I'm a bit after the fact, but still intrigued all the same and would like to share this wonderful culture or part of the Indian culture with the audience. And that is Diwali. So what is Diwali? Diwali is what you would know as the festival of lights. It's the time when we light up our houses with lamps and with electric lights, etc. And we have a big celebration. It has different meanings in different parts of the country. But now it is basically celebrated as a festival of lights, not only in Delhi and northern India, but mostly around the world. I see. So that I didn't know that it was referred to differently in different parts of the country. So how many variations of Diwali are there within India? Diwali, it's actually a five-day festival and it started off not as a religious festival itself, but it was the end of the winter harvest. And there were basically two major festivals that used to happen. One was Diwali, which was the summer harvest, and Holi, which is the festival of colors, that is the end of the winter harvest. These were the two times during the year the farmers had a lot of money. And they had sold their harvest. They had money in their hand. They would do improvements to their house. They would buy new clothes. They would invest some money and they would prepare for the rest of the year. And they would take a day or two off to celebrate. That's how these two major festivals came to be historically. Now, if you look at it from the religious perspective, religiously, Diwali is a five-day festival. And every day we do various things. And just like, you know, you celebrate Thanksgiving over there or Christmas where families come together, you buy gifts, you do up your houses. We do pretty much similar thing over here. In the southern part of the country, they have a different festival. It's not an evening festival. It's a morning festival. So every community celebrates slightly differently. The story behind Diwali, the main festival of lights, is when Lord Ram, who had been banished from his kingdom, comes back after vanquishing the demon Lord Ravan. He is supposed to reach his kingdom at night. And suddenly they realize that he's been gone for so long. They don't know whether he'll be able to find his way back. So they all decide to put little lamps, oil lamps outside their house so that the entire city gets lit so he can see it from miles away. And that is how the whole idea of Festival of Lights was formed. And even today, despite the fact that we have electric lights, everyone still lights oil lamps on every Diwali. Oh, that must be beautiful to see the streets illuminated with these oil lamps. The streets, the homes, the offices, it is like the entire country coming alive. And of course, because it is a five-day festival, the first day is when we go out. It's called Dhanteras. And by Dhanteras means the day of collecting wealth or treasure. And we usually go and shop for gold, silver, jewelry, sometimes utensils for the kitchen, things that you require in the home. Before Diwali, everyone usually gets their homes painted, buys new furniture, electric equipment. There are sales all across the country because, of course, why not, right? <laughs> and But Dhanteras is what sort of kicks off the day of the festival of Diwali. And it comes from the fact that 
people who didn't have money continuously mostly companies pay out bonuses during this time this is the time people have a little bit of extra money so they encouraged to buy gold because in india gold is considered one of the best forms of saving so you buy gold and you keep it for rainy day if you need money because that can always been sold for a good amount of money gold is traditionally always risen the day after that is what we call choti diwali or smaller diwali celebration that's the day you go and meet friends you have people come over to your house bearing gifts this is the time where we go and we give gifts to people who are important in our lives and thank them for being in your life on the main day of diwali that's the day that you clean your house and you do in shops and in offices we do a prayer ceremony where we thank the goddess lakshmi the goddess of wealth for the help that we had received the entire year and of course pray for continued help and blessings for the coming year we usually have a small celebration in the office and then we go back home after we go home we do a prayer ceremony in the house in the evening we wear new clothes we usually used to burn a lot of crackers but because of pollution i think for the last 4 5 years the number of crackers that you even allowed to burn has been reduced quite a bit and where i stay in a suburb let's say of delhi it's not allowed at all so we are not allowed to burn crackers doesn't stop kids from doing so but it's still not legal at the moment because of the pollution <laughs> so i want to tell her so crackers i know what you mean by crackers but it's what we call yeah. fry firecrackers fire exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i love the one day of especially visiting family and friends and saying thank you for being in my life i just love that aspect and i think this year probably meant more than any other time because yes. Uh, yes. everything that the whole world has gone through lately absolutely because last year diwali was very muted even though we were partially open and people were allowed to mix and people in the same family were allowed to mix even then you know you were just scared you didn't want to make that effort of meeting someone not because of yourself but you didn't want to meet anyone who's older or anyone who's a little bit unwell this year it has almost gone back to pre pandemic levels where people have met up they have traveled a lot of countries have opened so families have been reunited after 18 months where they could come and meet their families and spend diwali with them so it's been precious and you really realize what family means to you when you can't be with them physically and while all of us meet on zoom and facetime and every other digital medium just giving a loved one a hug and holding hands is absolutely fantastic yes i think so and i think we should all celebrate that day whether we're celebrating diwali or not but celebrate absolutely. your friends and your loved ones your family and so you were telling us about the different days you left off with thanking the gods for wealth and you would celebrate with lighting the crackers before i interrupted and you <laughs> no problem so we light the lamps then we burn crackers and we eat because the families get together for this and we usually get together either at the father's house or the eldest brother's house and everyone comes and this time this is just for family so mostly people will not go out to other people's homes on the day of diwali they would stay with their own family and you have a nice dinner and then you go out and you burn crackers and 
that's basically the end of the main Diwali day. We still have two days left after that. And if you remember when I started talking to you about how people celebrate it differently, the day after Diwali is something called Govardhan Puja. And Govardhan Puja is basically a prayer ceremony where we pray to Lord Krishna for saving mankind from floods, from torrential rains, actually. So like Noah built the ark, Lord Krishna for us broke the Govardhan mountain and brought all his villagers under that to save them from torrential rains. And that is what is celebrated. So as you heard me, there are different gods that are celebrated on each day. It is also a day where we cook a lot of food, especially people who pray to Lord Krishna. They will make so much food and they will create like a mountain of food, literal mountain of food. And they will celebrate at the temples, at their homes and call their people. It is also the day that people who use equipment will pray to their equipment, will clean their equipment. They will not work on that day. They will clean, polish and maintain their equipment, do a small prayer ceremony of their people who are farmers, will pray to their cattle, will wash them, will paint them, will cover them with flowers. So if you are on the road in India and you're in one of the rural areas, you will see these brightly dressed young boys who are shepherds along with cattle, cows with different colored marigold or rose garlands with non-permanent paint on them. And it's very pretty. It is a day to celebrate your profession in a way. So that is what the fourth day will bring. And we come on to the last day where we celebrate the relationship between a brother and a sister. It's called Bhai Duj, which is the fifth and the ultimate day of Diwali. So this is the day brothers go to their sisters' homes and they are fed and they are looked after by the sister in a promise of protection. So if you look at it from the context of how women were married and they had to move away from their families and they would live sometimes maybe two or three days away, there were not many chances that they would meet their brothers again. But on this particular day, the brothers would make an effort to go and meet their sisters, have a meal with them, see how they were doing, ensure that their husbands are taking good care of them, that they are happy, that their children are being well looked after, with a promise that if they need anything, that the brother's there and he will look after them. That is the last celebration. So it's like your entire world, your family, your brother, your parents, your friends, your work, Everything is celebrating during this five days of Diwali. I want to let you all know that Pa Rule's company, Sacred Dot Tours, does a wonderful job with programs in India. So if certainly India is on your bucket list, sacreddot.com. Again, thank you so much for joining me today, Pa Rule. Thank you, Yvonne. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Ladies and